We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast. We look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. Uh, this is a different type of pod, and uh, as I mentioned on our previous pod, I am on the road. And so in order to get you something in your feed, we thought, well, let's go talk to somebody. And that somebody happened to be the great Jermaine Jones. You know him from the U.S. men's national team, and he had an incredibly long career, and now he's the uh, coach for the under-19 team uh, at, US, uh, at U.S. soccer. And he always has interesting things to say, and he's always been very straightforward and direct and at times controversial. I said, all right, so let's uh, talk to Jermaine and see what he is up to. Have any Jermaine Jones memories, Mossy? Well, obviously the goal against Portugal at the 2014 World Cup. I remember watching that game at a restaurant in Brasilia with my aunt. Um, but Jermaine is interesting. Uh, in this time, we're talking so much about dual national recruitment and the U.S. able to land guys like Musa and Dest and more recently Balogun. Uh, he's somebody who made a really interesting decision many years ago. Born in Germany, played for Germany, and then switched allegiance to the U.S., and ended up playing for the U.S. against Germany at that 2014 World Cup. So, you know, he could provide some interesting insight. What must have been going through the minds of somebody like Balogun when he's making that decision? Well, I ask him about all of that stuff and more. So here it is. Without further ado, my interview with Jermaine Jones. All right. Welcome in the great Jermaine Jones. Uh, you are you know, just down the road here in Los Angeles, but you're doing all sorts of different things. I should give a little bit of background. I, I think most of our listeners and viewers know who you are. But uh, when it comes to on the field, just an incredible career, whether it was Leverkusen and Schalke and Besiktas and Blackburn and uh, New England Revolution and uh, the Colorado Rapids and the LA Galaxy, and then even on to the Ventura County Fusion and even indoor with Ontario Fury, just an incredible career on the field and then obviously having they mentioned all the great things that he did with the U.S. men's national team including playing and scoring in World Cups and now like most players uh, that comes to an end and he has turned his attention to a coaching career. He is now the assistant coach for the United States under 19 national team. Welcome Jermaine to the State of the Union podcast. I'm going to start you off with 
a real big picture type of question because you have a really unique and I think interesting perspective on American soccer, what it is and what it isn't. I guess my first question would be to you, what is what is good about America and the American soccer system that has uh, that has been, that has evolved over the years? Um, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And um, I know we we both we went always back and forth, but um, <laughs> I I love your show, man. I think you an honest person, you know. For sometimes yeah. like people, they don't like it, but I I appreciate that. And um, so yeah, thank you for having me on the show. And yeah, for the question you had, um, you know, for me growing up in a, in a in a country like Germany where soccer is like, you know, everything, the number one sport. <laughs> And then I'm um, deciding 2010 to come over here, play for the United States and now living in a country where, you know, you see in the game is developing and getting better. Um, it's not only that MLS and USL is getting better and developing. Um, it's alone. Like if you look at the, our main men's national team, we were at the last World Cup, we were the youngest team in, in or the second youngest at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And now for me, is it good to see special working with the, with the youth system now and seeing the talent, what we have, it's just incredible. And, um, and, and, and I'm even so far that I will lean out of the window and say that, you know, I believe in 26 or, you know, 2026, 27, that, um, us, well, us and, um, soccer can be the, the biggest sport in this country too, because, um, it's just so fast growing. And, um, and I think, um, in the beginning, I think it was scary for a lot of people to jump on that because um, you have different sports too. But I think slowly but slowly, people see that this sport is just taking over in the United States. Well, one of the reasons why I, I, I enjoy talking to you and why I enjoy listening to you is that you are honest. I, you know, We don't have to agree on everything, but uh, the fact that you're honest and you're interesting in the things that you say and, uh, and you don't hold back. So I wouldn't be doing my job. I just asked you what is good. And, and you just you know, talked about some wonderful things that are happening. And certainly the next three years leading up to 2026 is a wonderful thing to be a part of. But you know, you're also very honest in terms of what is bad? What are some things that are bad about the American soccer system that we have? You know, um, to be honest, like there's, um, there was stuff where you look at it and I think, um, I don't even have to touch it on. It's like you, everybody can, you know, saw it and read about it. Um, but, um, I think we learning out of mistakes, we learning out of, um, stuff, um, was maybe not good. And, um, when we talk about, uh, the system pay of play, you know, and all that stuff, um, in the youth and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's still like we growing. So if there's like, we cannot compare ourselves with like the countries, uh, where that sport is the number one sport and there's so much, you know, involved already. So we still young and growing. Like if you look at MLS, how MLS grow through the, through the years, it's, it's ridiculous. And now even, you know, um, Messi coming to, to this country. And I think that will be another big boom for the country. And, um, but then again, for me, is it more important to see what is in the youth system? And, um, back in the days, um, a lot of kids don't wanted to play, uh, soccer. They wanted to go football, baseball, and different sports because you had such a big reach of sports in this country. So now you have it that most of that talent pick the sport and they want to play soccer. So, and that's on the, on the woman's side and on the men's side. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's, and that's beautiful to see. So for me now being and seeing the bigger picture of it, I'm trying to see in like, there was, there was stuff what was not good maybe, but we have to develop and get better out of it. And so far you can see that we are getting better. 
and there's sometimes sitbacks, but I think it's a learning process. And this is all we all go to this learning processes in life to, you know, make mistakes and see maybe sometimes stuff that's wrong. And then we fix it and then we get better. So, and I think it's the same with the soccer in this world, in this country. Well, you mentioned going through a learning process and a development process. I, I'm assuming that you as a coach now have gone through a process. What was the most uh, difficult thing for you in terms of adjusting to actually kicking the ball to actually talking about how to kick a ball, especially you're dealing with some younger players uh, in your coaching right now? Um, you know, for me, um, who knows me, um, I'm really passionate for this game. And a lot of times, you know, I, I say stuff as a player and um, I had a winning mentality. And now going in as a coach, you have to actually pull completely back. And um, it's not, as a player, we, we a lot of times we're selfish. We're just looking for yourself and, you know, in you try to perform on the field and you want to play. If you not play, you get angry and like all that stuff. So as a coach, it's a complete opposite, you know, especially when I get then into doing all my license and working all through their systems and um, then understanding like, oh, as a head coach, it's not only focusing on you, you're focusing on the whole team, on the staff, on the members, on the club owners, like everybody involved is looking what you preach, what you give as philosophy, you know, to identify for the club and for the team, you know, so everybody's looking what you want to do. So, and then you can have passion, of course, and I think it's it's always healthy, but um, but I think um, you, you have find the right balance because at the end, there's uh, at least 20 or 30 players in front of you and they want to wait. And if you just out of reach the whole time because you're getting, you know, uh, in trouble or whatever, in, in losing control in games, then that's not a good look. Uh, we, we always love when young talent uh, arrives and announces itself. We just uh, watched this uh, under 20 team in the World Cup. You deal with some of these players. I'm sure you've had some of these players. If you could point out a few players that either have passed through the under-19 program or that you saw in the World Cup that you would point as the future, because these are developing these are not just developing soccer players. These are developing, hopefully, players that are going to go on to the full national team and star in the World Cup, maybe 2026 and beyond, and do good things. So who right now, give us your scouting report, really is standing out and you think has a really bright future? Um, yeah, for me, it's like, um, you know, I was out there in Argentina with FIFA and uh, worked a little bit, looked at games. Um, and for me, it's tough to go just individual under players at the uh, games. What I saw, I think we played a good tournament till we, we faced uh, uh, Uruguay and Uruguay made us the tough game. So, um, but I think the team itself um, was a good shape. You have good players, but um, I would more focus on the guys I really actually know. And that's in the U19s. Mm -hmm. And then we had one of the guys that was with the, with the 20s, Josh Weiner. Then you have Benji, who's in with Miami. You have Brook, uh, Brooklyn uh, Reigns, who's with the Houston Dynamo. There's, there's a, there's a couple really good kids and, um, you know, but I don't want to point them out just here on the thing because then, um, you let other people, you know, other players, um, <laughs> not mentioned. So, and, and that would be not fair, but I think, um, seeing the system, knowing the system now, knowing the players and being in different countries and see the countries and see their players, I can say that we have a bunch of young talent where we can look forward and be excited for. Uh, you were a dual national and you went through that whole, for lack of a better word, recruiting process. Obviously, it has continued on and even grown bigger. And let's be honest, even more important going forward. First off, 
Take us through what that process was back when Bob Bradley and his staff and the Federation was, like I said, recruiting you. And then how you see it developing going forward in the future, maybe even some players that you've come across. Yeah, you can see I have both jerseys. I have the German who, you know, um, I'm proud of and then the U.S. But, um, you know, a lot of people don't really know the the whole story behind it, Alec, Alec, uh, you know. And um, when you look at it, um, when 2010, but before 2010, I played the 2001 World Cup with the U20s in Argentina. And that stopped me from switching countries because back in the days there was a rule in place. So then when we had in 2000, I think, what was it, 2009, um, my agent at the time, he called me and I said to him, because I wanted to always look in if there's a possibility to switch, but it was more reason. I wanted to play for the US because I felt like something, you know, I grew up in Germany, a German mom, but had a American dad who was not around. So I, I was thinking, that can maybe be a possibility that, you know, he he sees me playing, we get in touch back and all that stuff. So I had a bigger picture on that. But then in 2010, they changed the rule. And Michael Bradley played at the time in Borussia Gladbach, Borussia Mönchengladbach, next to where I played in Schalke. So we always been in touch. We saw each other. So I reached out to him and said, you think there's a possibility to, you know, talk with your dad when he comes in, when he comes and visits you? And he said, actually, he's coming soon. So, and then Bob came. Um, and we went out for dinner and we talked and, you know, it, it's, it, there's not a lot you have to say. And I love Germany. I love that's a half of my, you know, my, my life. Uh, my mom is from there. But when the U.S. came and said, hey, you want to play? Um, there was not a lot to think about. Um, I was excited. I looked forward. And, um, and I knew, too, that um, the impact I can have, you know, in helping to develop um, the sports here, you know, I think people like you, like the other generation what came before me already helped to develop. And then for us, it's the next step. And now we have the Christian Pulitzer, the Westerns, the next step they have to do is on them, you know? So, but at the time I was excited and, um, and I was looking forward and, um, and yeah, I, I look back now and I'm super happy uh, that I really present, I presented this country. When, when you make your case now, because obviously as the under 19 coach, you were talking about, you're still a competitive guy and you want to do big things and you want to have great opportunities. When you make your case to people as to why you should be a head coach uh, or have a, a job coaching elsewhere at a, at a higher level, sell yourself to people that are listening right now. Why, why should people or somebody hire Jermaine Jones as a head coach or as a coach in general? Um, I would say, you know, it comes down to the hard work. And I'm somebody who always been hardworking. If you see me on the field, um, you know, it's not always the talent. And um, I said, I played with way more players. They had more talent than me. But at the end, it came down to working hard and figuring stuff out. Then that that was me. And um, I was, um, you know, a lot of times was as a player, people said, he will be out of the team. He's not there anymore. He's too old or he's with this. He's too many yellow cards. But I always figured out to work hard and come back and, and use my strengths, what I had. The same as it now as a coaching. Um, I retired. Um, I stepped away from the game to focus and concentrate on my license. And um, I came back. You know, uh, I never put my hands up and said, just because I'm Jermaine Jones, I want to get a chance and give me a coaching job. Stepped away. I started um, learning. I started, uh, you know, doing all my license. Now I have UEFA BA in pro license. So in... And in, in I did in. I had coached here, uh, U19s in California. 
uh, Real Socal. I was in, in Nissa for a little bit uh, with New York Amsterdam. Then um, now with the U19s. And, um, in, and I believe that at the end, you as an ex-player, you have to be ready to go back to school and you know learn the philosophies, um, the DNA, what you want to play, um, have an idea uh, with all that stuff. And then um, if that uh, you can add to your playing career, then um, I think you know you should have a chance to prove because then at the end I believe it's it's tough to say you need experience in coaching. I believe it's just about you have to be good or not good. So if you're good, you not get fired, and if you bad, you get fired. That's that's how I see it. And um, and and that's you know I I tell people when I see them and meet them and we have conversations. I lay out you know a lot of times people get like confused because they look at me and they go like. I you have a presentation and then I lay out my presentation. They're like, wow, I was not thinking about that or see that coming. And then sometimes I, I laugh about it because I'm thinking like, what do you guys, yeah, you just, just see the Jermaine Jones on the field, but that's what somebody I wanted you guys to see. And, you know, I, I was okay to be the bad one on the field because um, a lot of times that uh, coaches and teammates that would pick me first in five against five or if we had games on the weekends, because they knew, okay, he's, he will run for me. He will fight for me. He's, he's doing all that stuff, you know? So, and now it's a complete opposite when you sit with owners in, in GMs and have the conversation about that. And uh, they sit with you and like, man, respect what you did for the country, respect for the things. And then I never saw this coming with the PowerPoint presentation, what you did. You did all that on yourself. And I'm, and I'm like, thank you. Appreciate it. It's <laughs> you're honest from you that you don't see that coming, but that's the three years or three and a half years where I really was working behind the scenes on, you know, getting my license and understanding all that behind the coaching. That's interesting. It's interesting that you, you know, you, you played this character and you had this personality and that's how people knew you. And so, but I think, I think you're smart enough to understand why people would be surprised in that moment, but it's good that you were giving them to think giving them a different personality to look at uh, going forward. All right, listen, you have had an inside view kind of of the Federation and what's going on and the vertical integration and the culture and everything. You know, We are sitting here now three years away from the World Cup in 2026. The U.S. men's national team does not have a coach. You know all about the drama that happened after, after uh, Qatar. What's your take on who should be the head coach going forward to take us into this important moment and why? Yeah, it would be interesting to see who is coming, especially now with the World Cup coming to our own country and the eyes will be on our team. You know, we, we played in Qatar, we were young and Craig Bell that did a good job, you know, and um, now uh, looking forward, I think having the chance to completely um, search and see what is the best fit for this young group and, um, in in and then bring it in, bring him in and and see you know what can he do. I believe um if it's a somebody an American coach or now in, in coach from outside, I I really from my side I don't care. I just think that as as a federation, as um as a as 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 an ex player, I just want that this um you know uh works out in the in the best way because um I always said that that the national team is the bigger brother for all of soccer in our country so and if we get everything shorted and settled in in till the world cup and then in the world cup that's the most important thing so that we can grow as a country because the eyes will be on us and um and we have so much talent in that first team too that um 
we will, you know, have to show that and we have to prepare, we have to be ready to, you know, show the world, especially then at the World Cup, that we're ready to go. You mentioned the World Cup. Uh, tell our, our viewers and our listeners, what's it like to score a goal at the World Cup? Oh, man, I, you know, um, that's the thing what a lot of people will say still when I, when I meet them, they're like, man, that goal was special for me. That goal changed anything or whatever. Um, there's so much to say, but at the time, you know, um, we all go to the stages of life where you, as a kid, you dream to play a professional, then you dream to maybe play a World Cup. And I missed already 2010 World Cup in South Africa, where Bob Bradley told me that he would take me if I recover with a shin, like a, a hairline crack in my shin, but it was not able to recover and I missed the South Africa World Cup. So then now going to this World Cup, I said from day one, I when we flew over there, I just want to get that done. You know, I just want to play it. I want to enjoy it. Um, my whole country will watch it. And, and I want to wear yeah, that jersey with bride that everybody back at home can say, hey, he gave everything for that jersey every time he wear it. And so then scoring that goal was something I just realized really, because we all know if you score, it's like, okay, it's perfect, nice. But <laughs> I realized really when I got home or back to the hotel, um, then the reach it had and how many people, you know, on YouTube and people talking about it. And I was like, wow, that's, it's, it's incredible, you know, and now looking back, I can say I scored for my country as goal, a goal at the World Cup. And I think it's, it's a, a great, a great goal. We, we were just watching it here in studio uh, against, uh, against Portugal. When it left your foot, because you were shooting this all along, you weren't passing yeah. this or crossing this. You were definitely going to yeah. shoot this. As, when it left your foot, did you know? Yeah, and I actually completely knew. So the funny part is like in halftime, uh, Demarcus BC he came to me and he said to me a couple of times, man, you have to you have to shoot sometimes, you know, don't <laughs> always. But I always like, you know me, like I was not the player who had so many goals in my career. So I was more the, the, the working horse in, in the team. And, and at that time, when when I made the touch, and I saw I made the touch and I made another touch around Nani. And I was just, okay, if I get it around the next player and can bend it in a corner, maybe it goes in like, you know, you as players, you know, like the moment you hit it and you, and you can see how it flies, uh, I knew, okay, that has a chance. And then started goalkeeper freezing and everything else is history. A couple more questions and, I'll, and then I'll let you go. If you look at this national team, this pool that we have right now, obviously we have a big summer coming up with, uh, with Gold Cup and uh, and a big game against Mexico coming up here. Who would, and you mentioned you as a player and the personality that you brought. If you were picking a team for yourself, who were some of the first players off of this pool that you would pick to play with you? If I still play? Yeah, yeah, if you still played. You know what, when we think of Jermaine Jones and we just saw you scoring that goal, the, the, the warrior that you were and the mentality that you brought, who do you think shares some of those characteristics and traits and would would respond well so that you're picking them saying that's my kind of guy that's a guy that i want on my team you know that's what i said before like um i have the confidence to say every player i pick and is on my team gets a winning mentality because i hate to lose and that was always my career so that everybody i don't care who i had on my team if we play five against five in training or we play some other games we winning because i will i will hate it to lose so when that's what I'm saying. Like the same as now I can pick whoever I wanted on this team and um, because my mentality is winning and doing everything for it. And that's why, you know, I say this a lot of times when people ask me like, Oh, Christian Pulisic and his, and I say, man, when I met this kid, um, I met him when he was a kid 
you know, he's older now, but um, the time when I met him, I said, this guy is special. But the problem is like, we need to um, protect him. And back in the days, he was protected. So if we went to Panama or wherever, like we older guys, we would protect him and he was able to do the, what he wanted to do. And we gave him the freedom to do and give his talent. Now, I feel like he's not really always protected as a player because he plays in England. You know, he's he's the main guy now on the national team. So it's sometimes it's tough. And, um, and, and that's why I say, like, for me, it's just when I have to pick people, I pick whoever I have to pick who pass to play with me. Um, but I, I always can get that mentality in then to other players too that, you know, at the end, winning cares. So and in, in that's something you should always focus on. All right. I, I give you the opportunity to, uh, you know, have a, a genie, whatever, grant you wishes. You can map out your future here. Let's just say the next couple of years in terms of the coaching and the ambitions that you have. Where do you see that happening? I definitely said that at the next um, two, three years, you know, that's a that's a, a window. I look at it. I would like to coach in, in, the, in the United States. I want to coach in America. You know, um, I think that what I said before, the sport is growing, it's getting better and better year for year. And um, and I think as a young coach, I think there's something you can develop in, you know, you can put your stamp on stuff. And um, and I see myself, yeah, doing that. And then down the road, how however, you know, God gives me the possibility and chance down the road that of course a dream is always open that at one point I will like to coach. You know, I'm with the 19s now, so I coach uh, youth players. But at one point, um, I would like to coach my country, you know, in um, the U.S. And in, in, in that's a big dream. But for that, I, you know, I have to get first uh, a normal job in the league and, and work hard and, you know, prove that I'm uh, maybe one day a possibility, a chance to get that job. Well, listen, I'm wishing you well. I know everybody here at the State of the Union is wishing you well and hoping that you get those uh, those opportunities. I will, to your point, when before you came on air here, we were showing that goal and there were members of the staff here that were saying, I know exactly where I was and I know how important yep. that was. And so you have already made an impact when it comes to American soccer and to folks out there. And I love the fact that you want to continue to do it, even though you're not kicking the ball anymore. And I hope that you get the chance. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done over the years. And thank you for hopefully everything that you're going to do going forward, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus. They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. 
So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. All right. Well, again, thank you to uh, Jermaine Jones for coming on the show. Uh, it's interesting, Mossy, because when you listen to that interview, and look, we all change as people as we get older, uh, hopefully wiser, and certainly a player cha- you know, changing uh, into a coach. That's a, that's a big type of transition. But you can tell very, very quickly that Jermaine Jones is, I think, dead set on becoming a coach, so much so that he recognizes that that persona that he in, <laughs> inhabited for so many years, um, it might not play going forward in terms of the things that he wants to do. And I think he has tempered that. And I don't know necessarily if that makes him more or less uh, or less appealing from an interview perspective. You know, you you want Jermaine Jones to be saying, you know, crazy things and, and interesting things going forward. And he did say some interesting things, but this was a very tame version of Jermaine Jones. And I guess it, it's it's by design. Well, your behavior on the air tells me you have no illusions of being a coach. <laughs> exactly. Although. I mean, I certainly am not one to speak about changing. I mean, I fundamentally changed pretty much everything about myself on the outside. I, I like to say, uh, you know, I cleaned up on the outside, but I'm still a mess on the inside. And I'm still kind of the same, uh, the same person. But look, you, you, there is a game to be played even after the kicking of the ball. And you have to do and say and behave in ways that make you as attractive and appealing as you possibly can. And you don't want to give people the idea that you are, you know, going to go off half cocked or not be reliable. But it was interesting to hear him talk about how when he goes to these interviews, people are surprised by the depth of knowledge that he has and the preparation that he has done. And, you know, I, I, uh, as I said in the interview, I don't think that that should come as any surprise that that's the image that people have of him and that it was cultivated over a long career. And, you know, you, you have to each and every moment, if you want to change that, you have to go about strategically changing that by the way that you act and the things that you say. All right, listen, Jermaine Jones talked about, you know, the future, whether it's 2026 or beyond, but the future is now when it comes to this summer and this U.S. men's national team under B.J. Callahan. I think I sometimes keep calling him PJ, but, you know, it's BJ Callahan and what he is bringing to this team as they get ready to defend their Nations League title in the semifinal against Mexico. This is going to be a little bit of a preview of that. And then we will have a review of that immediately following the game, which you can find in your feed or you can listen to it live because we're going to do that on Twitter spaces. So, Mossy, as this U.S. team gets ready for this game against Mexico, we've talked a lot about how I think, and rightfully so, much of the focus is going to be on Balogun and uh, and him starting. We heard Stu, Ho- Stu Holden, and if you haven't heard that, definitely listen to that episode of the State of the Union because he said some really, really interesting things. But he said he believes that you have to start Balogun. I, I want BJ to start Balogun. I don't necessarily think that he 
is going to, and you have Pepe waiting in the wings. But as I've said time and time again, I want to see Balogun play against good competition. And this is the best competition that we have in CONCACAF, our major rival, in a pressure-filled situation, by the way, for a chance to go to a final. And sink or swim, my friend. I agree. I'd love to see Balogun start this game. Uh, keep in mind, the U.S. unbeaten in their last five meetings with Mexico, three wins and two draws. They beat them in the Nations League final two years ago and then in the Gold Cup final in Vegas, which is where this uh, Nations League semifinal is taking place. Um, and I think regardless of who the two coaches are, it'll be B.J. Callahan and Diego Coca, who took over Mexico recently. I just think right now the U.S. is better. They have better players. And so anytime these two teams play, I think it's advantage U.S. I, I, I'm picking the U.S. to win this game. I, you know, we, we talk sometimes about how a change of scenery is good. Uh, and sometimes it involves going to a different club, but also sometimes it involves getting on a plane and going to your national team, in this case, the U.S. camp. And there's a familiarity and a comfort level and kind of an ability to put, well, let's, but let's be honest, for a lot of American players, put behind what has not been a great year. And Tyler Adams isn't involved, but Obviously, he is hurt and not there. Uh, it wasn't great when it comes to Weston McKinney. It wasn't great when it comes to Brendan Aronson. Uh, and, you know, there are also going to be possible changes going forward, whether it's a Yunus Musa or a, uh, a Gio Reyna. And so it'll be interesting to see if that, that bump and that effect, that positive impact that often happens when you land with your team and into familiar surroundings impacts players uh, players like that and you're back at it and you're defending a championship and you're playing against uh, you're playing against Mexico and I do think some of these players kind of need an injection of positivity for them individually and even in, in terms of the perception of them as players yeah Adams being out is a big one I mm -hmm. do wonder about the midfield configuration uh, the U.S. not really having another true six in the squad so we'll see how BJ sets them up also, keep in mind, Leon just beat LAFC in the CCL final. I was bullish on LAFC winning that final. Even the Mexican women beat the U.S. in the final of the under-20 CONCACAF championship. Sometimes these things can be streaky, Ooh. and maybe this rivalry is going to turn the, the other way, and Mexico is going to surprise us. So Look at uh, that. Even as I pick the U.S. here, I'm, I'm a bit of caution with their prediction. Well, if the U.S. Is, gets by Mexico and goes to the final, they will play the winner of Canada and Panama. And I think just from a, a competitive standpoint... We would love to beat Mexico and then go on and beat Canada in the uh, in the final. But it remains to be seen, ultimately, who's going to be in that final. And as long as I've been following CONCACAF, anytime the final of a CONCACAF competition ended up being the U.S. or Mexico against somebody else, it felt like a letdown. It felt like that team was sort of crashing the party. I don't feel that way with Canada, which speaks to how much they've emerged in the last few years. To me, that's almost as exciting of a game as U.S.-Mexico. So the U.S. could have two really good games to look forward to. And now. from a from an American perspective, the only thing that that even comes close, it's not quite there, but all right, beating Mexico, that's the best feeling ever. But second, eh, beating Mexico or beating Canada, that's that uh, that's right up there, especially with what they are. And, you know, they've been feeling their oats and they've had a really they had a really good cycle and they went to the World Cup for the first time in 30 plus years and all that. So that's uh, that's great. Um, do you think uh, because, you know, the goalkeepers, again, as a reminder, uh, let's see, uh, Drake Callender, Josh Cohen, both with no caps, Sean Johnson, Matt Turner, Matt Turner starting, right? Yep. Okay. Um, we talked a little bit, uh, on the last pod with, uh, with Stu about who you think is going to start in the back. I think you start both of the Robinsons and then Dest and, uh, Walker Zimmerman, but you know, the, uh, 
you know, the, uh, the trustees and the Scallies and the Richards in particular probably will have a say. Yeah, Richards is the guy who Stu wanted to start. Yeah, I, I, I like his game, but he just hasn't been able to be on the field enough for really to really showcase himself to me. So I think he could eventually end up as a starter in the cycle. But right now, I don't, I'm not as high on him starting it this game. It says a lot that he has been given so many oppor- uh, opportunities. And it's not as if he's gone on and, and not done well, but injuries have derailed him. And he hasn't had, to your point, that type of consistency that you want to see. And yet everybody believes in him. And I, I think fairly so when you watch him play, his physical attributes, the way that he reads the game. But it's all about what he could be. And again, this gets back to the national team, where the national team is not a developmental team. You, you should be not the finished product, but you shouldn't be developing with the national team. That's You do that elsewhere, and then you come in and give the best account of yourself each and every time. And so that's, I think, where you know Chris Richards needs to play consistently and be there time and time. And he needs kind of those moments when everybody goes, ooh and ah, for the national team uh, going forward. So yeah, I don't think he has even come close to making his case yet that he should start. But you never know when PJ's involved, right? Uh, midfielders, your friend Johnny Cardoso, Luca Delectori, who a lot of people have a lot of time for. And, and I, at times, see glimpses of it. I'm just not quite there the way that others are. There's a lot of people that believe that he absolutely should be part of it. I do believe that there's a ruthlessness in him that I that I like, but it's just, I'm just not quite ready to give myself completely <laughs> to Luca Delatore. Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and then it gets interesting. I know you're very excited to see Alan Sonora uh, play uh, Sonora play there, uh, 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 play against uh, against Mexico, and Gio Reyna obviously is there too. Yeah, Zendejas is the player that I'm excited. To oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You were uh, Zendejas. That's right. Um, yeah, again, in the absence of Adams, it raises this question of how you're going to set up that midfield. I think it's going to be McKinney and Musa sitting. Uh, McKinney, although he didn't play the role all that well, did get a lot of experience with leads in the absence of Tyler Adams of playing uh, deeper as more of a six. Um, so I think that's going to be the role here. McKinney and, and Musa is that duo. And then a number 10 type player in front of them, which Gio? then raises some interesting possibilities. Gio? I mean, could be could... Gio or Aronson. All right. So we've established that you. Don't like Alan Sonora, right? Uh, you you borderline hate him, right? Okay, that's what uh, I'm certainly not excited to watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, it remains to be seen. And I, I do think that you want to try to, without completely blowing up the system, get as many good players on the field. And, you know, Gia Reyna once again has yet to claim that one spot where he's he's written in in pen. Then you go up top uh, in terms of the forwards, and this is the way that they're listed. Brendan Aronson, uh, Balogun, who we've talked about, Taylor Booth, uh, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, and your friend Alex uh, Zendejas. I, I think that you start, as we said, Balogun up top, Christian Pulisic on the left, and I do think that you start Tim Weah on the right. I still don't think that there is anybody that consistently and in the way beats players, uses that speed on the wing like Tim Weah. I buy that. You would? And but- listen, if you're BJ Callahan, just let it rip. Why not? It's not like you're right. <laughs> really coaching for anything here in terms of getting but the job permanently. If you were to start Zendejas, where would you start it? Well, yeah, he could be that right winger. Okay, well. so over uh, over Tim Weah, but you're yeah. cool with uh, with. I'm Weah. cool with Weah and Zendejas being an option off the bench. Okay. And when he comes on, I'm getting booed by Mexico fans. That'll be a fun moment. 
eh, it's part of the deal. It's, you know, it's like a, a baptism, if you, uh, if you will. That's, that's how it goes. Uh, anything else with, that you are looking for in either this game or these, these two games? It's a little weird because it's only two games, but there's still two games. And the fact is that many of these players are not going to go on and be involved in the Gold Cup. No, I mean, the two overarching stories for me are Balogun, for sure, and Geo because of everything that's gone on. So those are the two players that I'll have my eye on the most. I, I don't want this to happen, but what if Balogun steps on the field and shits the bed? It means he's no good. It was a mistake. And, uh, <laughs> I hope that does, uh, that's not. But you know what? What will, what will be the story is like, well, we're doing something wrong, that the team is doing something wrong. In this case, BJ's doing something wrong. Well, we'll see what kind of service he gets. You know, we had an Ask Alexi question recently suggesting that maybe the issue for U.S. center forwards is they're not getting the service. I disagree. Looking back in the World yep. Cup, I figure, I feel like the service was there. The players just weren't putting it away. But we'll see how this game goes. If Balogun struggles, it could be an issue that he's still uh, not in sync with his teammates and maybe didn't get the balls in areas that he likes. And so, and it, you know. it's not fair, but it's what we do. Basing it off of one game, it's, it's, not, it's not fair. But you know what? This is... This is part of the pressure that so many people talk about. Hey, you brought into the national team for what you did with your club team. And we're extrapolating it out and we're believing that that is going to translate to the U.S. team. And it's a different environment. Obviously, it's a different team. It's a different setup. It's a different system. All of those different things. But you're there to score goals. And as long as you are doing that, uh, we are going to be incredibly thankful. And the fact is that we have not had a consistent number nine to turn to that puts the fear of God into the opposition, that the opposition has to actually game plan for, and so that position continues to be open. And next man up, evidently it's Balogun. Uh, anything else, Mossy? That's it. All right. Uh, listen, we appreciate everybody uh, hanging out and listening to us. As I said, I am uh, on the road here, but keep in mind that we will have uh, a review, I guess it would be, of the... U.S.-Mexico game on Spaces. So you can listen live if you want, if you are on Twitter. And if you're not, it will show up in your feed, in your State of the Union podcast hot uh, uh, feed over there. And uh, we will be back again uh, next week with uh, continued shows. And hopefully something to scream and yell about when it comes to uh, U.S.-Mexico. Because, my friends, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, like beating your biggest rival. And as Mossy mentioned, that pendulum now has swung to the U.S. side for a long time. And we have owned U.S. Uh, the, uh, Mexico when it comes to uh, the, uh, um, this long historic rivalry. But it can very, very quickly swing to the other side. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out on the field and what the narrative is going uh, after the game. All right. We will talk to you again, like I said, on, uh, on Spaces or elsewhere. And until then, and as always, size the day.